How's it going, Yankee fans? Welcome back to Fireside Yankees with your boys, Alex and Ryan. So we've kind of gotten over the Yamamoto situation. We're moving on. And we're going to talk about some silver linings today about, you know, the money we saved, $300 million. Obviously, that now more details coming out about what that contract actually was going to look like. Now, the Dodgers gave him 12 years, $325 million with outs in the sixth and ninth year. Average of $27 million per season, $50 million uh signing bonus right off the bat and a 47 million dollar posting fee to the oryx buffaloes they cashed man like they they gave up the money for yamamoto on multiple fronts uh now they backloaded the contract a little bit the yankees offered which i actually think is a better deal for where it's worth ryan people will talk about the 325 million the 300 million actually was a better deal and i'll tell you why they would have made they would have given him the same 50 million dollar signing bonus you know obviously paid the fee uh to the buffaloes but why it was better is they gave him an out after the fifth year when he'd be 30 years old so he can cash in in a in a better market for him right he'll be 30 plenty of time to keep being a phenomenal pitcher and at the same time they were going to front load more money um and the, you know obviously the i think they wanted they wanted 10 years so i think he would be getting paid what 32 million dollars so it was 32 mil it was actually more money up front same exact situation in terms of they would have figured out the signing bonus and they would have given him an out where he would have cashed out and when the market elevates you know there's Teams would be spending more money as time goes on, obviously, with inflation and whatnot. He could probably get even more money than what, you know, uh, the Dodgers are going to give him long term. But, you know, he can get out after the sixth season. He'll be 31 years old. But that 30-year-old change with 30 or 31, it could be a big difference. Um, but I think the Yankees' offer was very strong. I think they gave him the most money. It was just more so about him wanting to be a Dodger at the end of the day. I really think that this was just about him wanting to be with Otani, being with being a Dodger. And, you know, we move on. But now we talk about what we do with this $30, $300 million that we didn't just spend, plus $50 million signing bonus and $50 million posting fee we would have had to give up. So, you know, obviously those things don't count against the luxury, the luxury tax or the salary tax or the salary cap threshold. Um, but now we ask ourselves, how do you spend $300 million? Good problem to have if you're a Yankee fan right now because, you know, we can spread that money out. We can go out and get two starting pitchers uh, plus a bullpen arm. And the biggest silver lining of all there is no excuse not to extend Juan Soto. We're going to discuss that right now. So, Ryan, you know, what are your thoughts now that you see this 300 mil? We need, we have needs. We need at least two starting pitchers, in my opinion. I think you would agree with that. And obviously, now you have Juan Soto, probably going to get a $400 million deal next year. How important is it to have this money in terms of increasing our probability of signing him long term? Yeah, so if I'm Hal Steinbrenner or Brian Cashman, I know that Juan Soto is likely not signing an extension. It'll happen in the, the winter most likely that you know Juan Soto will accept the uh, top offer from whatever team uh, he ends up signing with. But as you mentioned, there is no excuse for Juan Soto to play for any other team for the rest of his life. Uh, so, you know, what I would do if I'm Hal and Brian Cashman is go to Scott Boris, go to Juan Soto, at least get a sit down, whatever it may be, and present him a $550 million contract over 15 years. This is your guy. This is the guy you've needed. I'm I, like, look, I, I don't think that Yoshinobu Yamamoto was somebody I'm happy missing on. I wanted Yoshinobu Yamamoto. We both did. Um, but let's be honest here. The must-have player was Juan Soto. The Yankees could not walk away from this offseason without Juan Soto. If he went anywhere else, it doesn't matter if they signed Yamamoto, Bellinger, me, you, the entire roster, everybody in the world, it would not have been enough. Juan Soto has been the Yankees guy for a while. Brian Cashman publicly talked about the fact that they tried to acquire him at the trade deadline. Their interest in him has been legit. They went all the way for him. Andy Martino even mentioned their interest in Yamamoto did not match their interest in Soto. They 
really wanted Juan Soto, it's time for their money to reflect that. He should no longer play for any other team. He should be a New York Yankee for life. You point to the, you, you go out and you point out to center field and you say, look at Monument Park. You can go out there and you can join names like Babe Ruth, like Luke Gehrig, like Derek Jeter, all those players, you will be up there with them. Your number 22 will never be worn again by any other player if you stay here for the next 15 years. And another thing, and I've talked about this on a different podcast uh, with, I believe, Aiden, if I'm not mistaken. He will be the first Dominican-born player to retire his number with the New York Yankees. I know that to some people that doesn't mean a lot, but to people in New York City that means a lot, and to Juan Soto, that would certainly be an honor that at least somewhat entices him. End of the day, the money has to match the interest, right? Like, Juan Soto's not going to take a $50 million discount to get his number retired in Monument Park, but what you can do is offer him that money and then offer him and sweeten the pot a little bit with those added incentives. And end of the day, I mean, this is a must-have player. This guy is, 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 I mean, his talent is unbelievable. And as you mentioned, with like shifting towards the pitching market, the Yankees might be able to get some pretty quality starting pitchers without having to break the bank necessarily. Look, I'll take the $10 million fly on Frankie Montas. I think that would be an excellent purchase for the New York Yankees, especially considering their familiarity with him. They let him rehab at the end of the year. The stuff looked fine, right? Like when he comes back, if he if he's able to give you 120 quality innings, you're very happy with that. Another arm that I think, you know, for a reunion that obviously is going to pop up is Jordan Montgomery. If Jordan Montgomery's price tag falls from $160 million to maybe a little close to 130, 140, the Yankees should certainly be all over it. There's one thing he provides that the Yankees sorely need, and it's consistency. I know that you're not buying a number two starter or buying a number three starter, but you are buying a guy who's going to be as good of a number three starter as anybody can get, if not better, right? You know, I looked at his war over the last three uh, three or four seasons. Obviously, 2020 was a shortened season, so I had to use a per 30 start pace. From 2020 to 2023, he has consistently been a three-war per 30 start pitcher. Three-war, that's good enough. That'll, that, that'll net you about 20 to $25 million in war value, right? Like if you're paying dollar per war, it's about $8 million. You're getting roughly $24 million in value a year from Jordan Montgomery. He's not going to be the type of pitcher that's going to be a quote-unquote steal of a contract. You're not going to crush the market necessarily by signing him. But what you are going to do is be able to consistently stay above market value. You're consistently going to be around six to seven million dollars per war and that's pretty good all things considered and last season was a 4.3 war pitcher so you know if you get something closer to maybe even three and a half war we're talking about netting you know 28 to 29 million dollars of player value and spending about 22 million dollars to get to that point i understand he's not you know the most attractive option out there I'm not keen on paying him $150 to $160 million. If he ends up going for that price point, I have no problem with the Yankees missing out on him. But if his market does fall a little bit, and I think it will, right? Not in the sense of he's going to not have interested suitors, but the Mets are not going to be involved in that. They're not going to be there to drive up that price. The Dodgers are not there to drive up that price. You know, it seems like the Padres, maybe, I mean, I don't know if the Angels are going to get involved. I know that they're involved in Blake Snell. I don't necessarily think Jordan Montgomery wants to go to Anaheim either. Why would you want to go to a franchise that's basically a dead end? Maybe the Giants are more interested in him. Who knows? But what I do know right now is that the Yankees are going to be able to, you know, compete with teams like the Red Sox or Montgomery. And again, no disrespect to the Red Sox, but I'm not necessarily scared of their ability to push a Yankee offer out of the water. So, you know, end of the day, even if you want to look at the depth of the market, the trade market, Bieber, Burns, Cease, I think Bieber's the most realistic in terms of price. I mean, if you walk away this offseason with like Shane Bieber and Jordan Montgomery, Alex, that rotation's damn good, right? Like, I know you're having, you have a few flyers in there, but you've got Cole, Rodon, Bieber, Montgomery, Cortez. 
that's one hell of a rotation. And that's a lot of guys who, you know, are go- like a few of them are going to be free agents soon. Cortez and Bieber will be free agents uh, following the 2024 and 2025 seasons. That gives you an opportunity and a lane to fill in for guys like bring in Chase Hampton or bring in Will Warren or maybe reinclude Clark Schmidt to the rotation. I'm not saying they have to push Schmidt out of the rotation, but what I would say is that having him as your sixth starter feels really good. And having Will Warren as your seventh starter Man, I mean, we're talking about a damn good pitching staff, a lot of upside, a uh, lot of, you know, depth, and a lot of pivot options internally in case somebody goes down, which, I mean, Alex, we know the story of the New York Yankees. Somebody certainly will. Yeah, somebody certainly will. And here, here's kind of a take that I was thinking about um, in terms of 2024 specifically. So I think there is going to be some sort of adjustment period for Yamamoto. I think he's long-term going to be a fantastic pitcher. We obviously would have loved to have him. Um, but with that being said... There could be a period in 2024 where he struggles to get acclimated. It's a totally different game. Better hitters, baseball's different, more innings, less rest. Like, it's going to take a couple of months to get really used to the MLB. I think for most pitchers, that's the case. I think he will transition smoothly. Um, The one thing that you can say about the alternative pivot options, if you're the Yankees with Jordan Montgomery or whatever it might be, you're getting you're getting players that know how to pitch in the the MLB. Like, they know what they're expected to face. They know, uh, you know, what to do the the preparation process of like being a pitcher, five days of rest, and then going back out there, postseason comes around, you know, taking care of your body. Montgomery obviously is is the obvious connection. We've been linked to him internally. Um, we know that we know what Montgomery is. You know, low strikeout guy. He pitched a career high innings last year with like 188 innings. Um, you know, he's pretty durable. Like he's been good the last two years. Of course, you know, knock on wood, you never you never know what the Yankees. The guys just fall for no reason. Um, so Montgomery is a fine pivot. He's not going to cost 325 million dollars. That's for sure. You could theoretically, and, and I know you were kind of suggesting this, like Will Warren, I have big expectations for Will Warren. I think that he has to be like a Brito-Vasquez um, kind of option this upcoming season. He's the guy that replaces them. You know, he can be a spot starter, as you mentioned, like a seventh arm um, or a bullpen piece to kind of help. You know, he can collect innings. Like, he could pitch three innings if you need him to. So I think that's a good thing to have. It's obviously something the Yankees need him to step up into that role. Uh, but if, if the Yankees walked away this offseason with Montgomery – uh, you know, Shane Bieber traded for him. He's, he may not cost a whole ton. I know Ryan's writing a piece right now on a mock draft or a mock trade rather uh, that would land us Shane Bieber, you know, had a three, eight ERA last year, a little bit of a down season in context with his previous performances, obviously a Cy Young award in 2020. Um, but this is a pitcher who could turn things around. He knows Matt Blake has worked with him, uh, you know, a lot of the years. So, that connection is obviously there. Now, if you get Carlos Rodon back, I wrote a piece on Rodon this this morning, essentially saying, and I think you'd probably agree with this, the Yankees' season may hinge on Rodon bouncing back. You know, like if he doesn't bounce back, we are in a really bad spot because we can't trust Nestor Cortez to run back the one great season he's had. I don't know what Clark Schmidt is going to end up being. Preferably, he ends up becoming a stud. Like, that would be great for us. Um, obviously, you don't know what Shane Bieber is going to be next. Or you don't know, you know, what Montgomery, if he's going to regress. Like, you just don't know. Rodon has to bounce back. We paid him to be the number two. He's got to be the guy we paid him to be. You know, that that sub-three ERA type of pitcher. That guy can go out and dominate. The problem is, you know, he's a two-pitch guy. He's a, he's a, he's a four-seam fastball, and he's a slider guy. His four-seam fastball... The batting average he gave up he gave up last year was almost 300 right like he was bad and his his slider was not as bad but it was still not great um those two pitches if one of them is struggling it eliminates his deception right like he doesn't have the full array of pitches that pitch sequence to 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 cover up some of those pitches that are struggling um it's if his slider if his slider's off 
he's screwed. If his fastball's off, he's screwed. He can't create that deception. So he's got to be better. I think it's more injury-related last year. I think you would agree. Um, you know, hamstring, left arm, left forearm strain, a chronic back injury. Like, he just never got in rhythm. And pitching is a rhythm game. Like, you see Garrett Cole. Like, he is always in rhythm because he does not miss time. Knock on one again. Um, you know, you look at Rodon. He missed a lot of time. Never got in rhythm. He, did, he missed his whole pitching program to open the year. He was trying to rush his way back to help the team. Um, you know, it just never felt really good. The Yankees need to do everything in their power to keep that guy healthy during spring training because if he gets hurt again, we're in deep crap. Like, that's the truth. So, you know, talking about Juan Soto, though, going back to kind of the main silver lining of this entire equation, the Yankees now have a lot of money. They, they're going to have to spend on somebody, whether it's Montgomery, you know, whether it's it's not going to be Blake Snell. It's probably, I mean, if we're being honest here, dude, I think that we're probably going to end up trading for Shane Bieber, and I think we're probably going to end up bringing back Frankie Montas. I think that's probably what we do. I don't know if we're willing to spend $150, $200 million on Jordan Montgomery just because the market is so thin. You know what I mean? Like, I just don't, I don't feel it in my bones. I don't think that the Yankees are going to say to themselves, you know, Yamamoto on the upside was elite. We've we just saw the best of Montgomery. We don't know if he can run this back. Um, I think they're going to go and try try to trade for a Shane Bieber, not give up a ton of, of value, um, bring back Montas for money, and then wait until the trade deadline, and then probably try to steal somebody. Maybe you try to leverage, like let's say Jason Dominguez is like ready to return. Maybe you try to leverage an outfielder. Um, you know, I, I hate to say this, but maybe they try to leverage Spencer Jones or Everson Pereira. You know what I mean? Like maybe they try to use those guys to their advantage because we have so much outfield depth now. Um, that's kind of how. I see this going. I think we go and acquire a guy like Bieber, bring back Montas, survive until the deadline, and then you probably go out and try to trade for somebody and give up some assets. You know, what are your thoughts on that? You know, we'll, we'll bounce and finalize the Juan Soto kind of uh, topic, obviously. That would save us a lot of cash. You know what I mean? That those are World Series winning moves. Like you know, you go you go and try to acquire some players at the deadline that can reinforce your team at that moment. Give up some prospects. Giving the team looks really good. Um, you save a lot of money because you don't you don't bring in Montgomery on a long term deal, and that money rolls over into uh, Juan Soto. Maybe bring in another pitcher in the free agency market next year. Yeah, the way I would look at it is with Jordan Montgomery. It is opportunistic, right? Like, that's how you have to view it, right? Um, you have to view it from the standpoint of, all right, we are optimistic, or not optimistic, excuse me. We are interested in bringing in Jordan Montgomery at our price point, right? Not above our price point, at our price point. He has to kind of fall into our laps almost. Um, you know, and I'm not saying it's not it's impossible that that happens. I'm just saying, as you mentioned, you shouldn't necessarily say that that's the likelier outcome, right? It depends, again, it depends on how interested the Red Sox are, how interested the, the Rangers are. We know that the Red Sox are interested, but how much money are they going to give Jordan Montgomery? Are they going to give him $160, $170 million? If they do that, you pass on it, right? Like, if you're the Yankees, you kind of look elsewhere, right? And I have no problem with that. Um, you know, as you mentioned with Shane Bieber, uh, you know, the big thing I really like is that Shane Bieber specifically talked about increased usage of the curveball with Matt Blake and how that was credited with his breakout. Look, I don't know what the Cleveland Guardians were doing. I I've tried to ask friends who are Cleveland Guardian fans what the hell happened here, but he dropped his breaking ball usage by like 10%. I, I legitimately have no idea why he did that. His two best pitches last year, his curveball and slider, for some reason were the two pitches that took a step back in pitch usage. I have no idea what they're teaching over there. That's a smart organization as well. So I don't know if it was injury related. I don't know if it was comfort related. What I do know is that down the stretch, while the ERA wasn't great, the strikeouts were great. And that came from an increase in curveball usage. So maybe the Yankees are able to get him to use that pitch a little bit more. He's at driveline right now. I let people think like I'm just throwing around driveline as some buzzwords. Oh, you go to driveline, you're going to be good. No, but he's going to driveline, which means that if he's going to increase his velocity or if he was going to get some of his velocity back, 
that's where he would do it, right? That's where you would assume he could get that done. And of course, just getting a really good biomechanical look at what he, things are, with things, how things are with his mechanics and everything like that is good for him. Um, I'm interested to see what he's able to do. I know that his diminished velocity is a concern, but he was a Cy Young vote getter in 2022 and shut down the Yankees in the postseason on diminished velocity. So am I going to sit here and say he can't be good on 91-92? No, I'm, I'm going to say he can be pretty good. And we're not talking about giving him six or seven years. We're talking about giving him one year, right, at $12 million and trading maybe like just Everson Pereira. Like, would you do Everson Pereira for Bieber and Cash? I would, right? I would do that. I think that's a fair deal. Maybe you could do like, you know, maybe you can get a little more. I don't know. Like, I, I would do that deal. I love Pereira, but like he's kind of extra right now. Um, and you're going to hit a certain point in which you can't just flip Everson Pereira for a pitcher, right? And you don't want to enter that point in time where, you know, maybe his value depreciates. You know, is the upside worth keeping him around? Not necessarily given the context of what you have, right? You have Jason Dominguez, you lose to Spencer Jones. I'm not going to lie, man. Spencer Jones, his his floor is very high. I know that people think his, his bat is too volatile for his floor to be high. Completely wrong evaluation on Spencer Jones. The floor is very high with him because of his excellent defense and center. He's a near guarantee to be a quality, quality major leaguer. And of course, and I wanted to make sure I could tie back to this because I know you wanted to, Juan Soto. If your plan is to keep Juan Soto long-term, that knocks out a corner outfield spot. Aaron Judge knocks out a corner outfield spot. John Carl Stanton still under contract. That's four more years. Spencer Jones, that center field. Or Jason Dominguez, that center field, right? So, you know, we're kind of looking at the, the, the way that this farm system is shaking out a little bit. And Everson Pereira might not have a spot this time next year. And by this time next year, teams are going to be uh, well aware of the fact that Pereira is not going to have a spot on the roster. And, of course, he's not going to have the playing time at the Major League level to, you know, be able to say, all right, he had a sample at the Major League level. It looked good. We want him. You know what I mean? Trent Grisham's the fourth outfielder, and Trent Grisham is not a shitty fourth, out, fourth outfielder, excuse my language, but Trent Grisham is a quality major league center fielder. The gap between Trent Grisham and Kevin Kiermaier is what, like negligible at best because Kevin Kiermaier can't play as many games as Grisham? You're talking about two players that, and we're talking about Kevin Kiermaier, I mean, on October 1st, we were like, oh yeah, if they sign Kevin Kiermaier, great addition. Go get him. Go let him play center field. And now we're going to get Kevin Kiermaier type of guy for our fourth outfield spot. So, you know, Alex, overall, I just don't think that Everson Pereira is going to find playing time this year. And if you can trade him for Bieber and then lock up a guy like Soto long-term, your offseason looks really good. Of course, I'd like to see him sign a second starter, as you mentioned. Frankie Montas profiles well for that. You are taking a lot of chances here. But you know what? You have seven guys in Cole, Rodon, Cortez, Bieber, Montas, Schmidt, and Warren. And I'll bank on them to get me through the entire season. And we'll reassess at the deadline. Maybe the Yankees have to trade for a starter. Maybe the Yankees have some guys break out. Who knows? But the upside for Shane Bieber is he's his 22, 2022 self. And if you're trading Pereira, it's fine. Because look, you just traded for Juan Soto. And the goal is to keep him long-term. He needs to be a New York Yankee for the rest of his life. Never play for another team i don't care if he's 42 43 never for another team ever again alex i think you agree absolutely agree i mean you kind of you referenced spencer jones before um wanted to hit on that as well he i mean the guy look we, we talked the other day about him being the number one prospect comparably to jason dominguez it's like 1a 1b right like jason dominguez the only reason i have him ahead is because he's two years younger um obviously a freak athlete has ridiculous power a switch hitting bat he has hit a homer off of justin freaking verlander that is why he is number one to me. However, Spencer Jones, guys, is no joke. This is not uh, – that, that whole video was not meant to be a hit piece on Spencer Jones. This was supposed to be a, just a, a debate about who was number one prospect, but both are freaking awesome. Like Spencer, Spencer Jones, we've interviewed him. The guy is dope. He is sick. He is amazing. Um, still like 37 backs last year for – what was it? In, in triple, or high A, Hudson Valley. Um, then had a couple more in, in double A. 
the dude can mash. He's got generational power, and he's a freak defensive player, freak athlete for a player of his size. I'd even argue that he's a better athlete than Aaron Judge um, at, at, a, at a similar frame. So, like, you're looking at someone that has that level of upside. Yeah, you're going you're gonna to rank him highly. Um, I was just more so basing the, the conversation off of, you know, guy who's hit, guy who hasn't hit against MLB pitching. Um, that's more of the, the argument at hand. But Spencer Jones, like, if you're going to trade Spencer Jones, you're getting a damn good haul. Like, you're getting a very good starting pitcher um, or at least a guy that is proven um, with a little bit of control, too. Like, that's that's how valuable Spencer Jones is to me. Um, you're not giving him away for a one-year rental. No no chance. Unless it's a unless the Yankees are churning through teams and they're absolutely on fire. And they're like, we are going to push for a World Series this year. And we're missing a Luis Castillo. Let's say, and just throwing his name out there, like a Luis Castillo-level pitcher on a one-year, like with one year of control left, we'll give you Spencer Jones for him. Like, that's that's the only way I'm giving up on him right now um, is if like that's the missing link to a World Series. I will trade Spencer Jones for a World Series in 2024, especially if it means beating the freaking Dodgers. So, you know, I definitely am on board with that. That could happen. That's a realistic op- op- opportunity for the Yankees down the road. We'll see how, the, obviously, the season progresses. It hasn't even started yet, but now, you know, you discussed Juan Soto a little bit. I think that's really where we look into the future here. Juan Soto is a 25-year-old kid in a Hall of Fame-level career and just scratching his prime. Like, he is, I wouldn't even say he's in the middle of his prime. He is at the beginning of his prime. You don't find Hall of Fame-level bats at the beginning of their prime in free agency. It doesn't freaking happen. The Now, here's my my overall overarching take here. The Dodgers just got Shohei Otani, and they just got Glass now, and then Yamamoto. The Yankees need to keep Juan Soto. Why? Because if they don't, we are going to be a joke in the future. Like nobody is going to believe. No one is going to buy into the fact that the Yankees are that prestige organization anymore. That dynasty. We have to lock in Juan Soto. It's it's the only play to keep our respect. You know what I mean? As as a big player in this market, players are deciding to go other places now, guys. The only reason we got Juan Soto is because we traded for him. We didn't sign him in free agency. He, he had no choice. You know what I mean? I think he wanted to be a Yankee, but he had no choice. Players are picking the other teams over the Yankees now. We're losing that aura of dominance. We need to extend Soto, continue adding pieces, and compete for World Series because teams, players don't see us as a real competitors right now sometimes, you know? Um, like, we're going after old guys like Josh Donaldson. It's got to end. Now's the time to reinvest in your aura, your image. Juan Soto reinforces that. Um, so I do think and, – and look – Eventually, Aaron Judge is going gonna, is gonna to age out. Garrett Cole is going to age out. And when that happens, Juan Soto will be 30 years old, still one of the best hitters in the game in the middle of a Hall of Fame career. Yankees cannot pass up on that. So I'll give you a second to kind of hit on, like, why it's so important for Juan Soto to be extended. Because I think, like, if you don't extend him, like, we kind of look like a joke. Yeah, let's make one thing very clear, right? Like, it would be a catastrophic failure if the New York Yankees don't sign Juan Soto. Um, you know, I know that people, you know, I, I know that everyone's upset about Yamamoto, but I want to clarify the type of player we got in, in Juan Soto. You said future Hall of Famer. We're talking future all-time great here, right? We're not talking about a guy who's going to get 60 war and coast into the Hall of Fame. We're talking about a guy who's projected or, or on pace to put up like 100 war and be an inner circle Hall of Famer. Uh, look, there are very few hitters who have ever been as good as Juan Soto. In fact, there's a higher OPS plus than 
Joe DiMaggio, then Hank Aaron. I mean, Hank, I just want to clarify, this is a 25-year-old, so not necessarily in, not necessarily covering the full years of his prime. These are the years of his prime. You assume his age 25 to like age 29, 30 seasons will be his best offensive years. We haven't gotten there yet. He has not played his age 25 season yet, and he already has a better OPS plus than the guy, than the guy who was the home run champion before Barry Bonds came around and had a very healthy breakfast every morning and then hit 762 home runs. But no, seriously, I mean, look, Alex, we're talking about a generational player here. We're talking about a once-in-a-lifetime talent, right? Juan Soto was the age that Aaron Judge was when Aaron Judge broke out in 2017. Aaron Judge has gotten considerably better in his late 20s and 30s. Aaron Judge, his age, the age 30 version of Aaron Judge and the age 28 version of Aaron Judge are nearly unrecognizable from each other. This is a much more polished and better hitter. Imagine what Juan Soto can become with more time at the major league level. Imagine what he can become situated with one organization for a decade plus. I mean, this guy is going to become the face of Hispanic baseball if he's here at the New York Yankees forever, right? Like if he's here for the rest of his career, he will be the face of Hispanic baseball and it will be in the Bronx. I understand, you know, that the New York Yankees and the Los Angeles Dodgers are kind of going to be going head to head for brand for, for brand recognition, all that stuff. Um, but the Yankees, ha- you're right. The Yankees have to show that they're not going to, you know, just wait idly by that there's another super team out there that there's this other more dominant franchise out there than them they need to go out and they need to make sure that they're competitive every year which they have done a good job at but they need to aim to be the best every year i am sick and tired of talking and justifying you know situations where the yankees are like the third best team in the al and we're like yeah it's good enough right and i think that this front office understands that that's not good enough that they need to make the investment that uh you know the fans ask for and that the fans demand Somebody tweeted this, and I think this is such a perfect encapsulation of where baseball's gone. The biggest market inefficiency now is caring about winning, right? Like, that's the biggest market inefficiency. How many teams care about winning, right? Like, how many teams care enough about winning to do what the Yankees did for Juan Soto or what the Dodgers did for Yamamoto and Otani? Who else, right? Like, the, the, the Astros, like, they just lost in seven games to the Rangers. Have they gone out and tried to get, you know, Yoshinobu Yamamoto? Have they tried uh, to get Aaron Nola? Have they tried to get Sonny Gray? No, they haven't, right? Like, they're the winningest franchise of the last half decade plus, and they're not going out and doing that, right? Um, you know, looking at the Red Sox in our own division, they don't, they're not, like, they, they've been in last place three of the last four seasons. This is a historic franchise, Alex. This rivalry roots beyond not just our lifetimes, but our parents' lifetimes and their parents' lifetimes. And that franchise is not really trying right now. And that, those fans are disgruntled. Tampa Bay's a joke when it comes to spending. They just trade Tyler Glass now because they didn't want to spend the money on him. Um, you know, and they, they specifically structured that contract so they paid less money in year one and left, left the team that was going to acquire him in year two, knowing that they would trade him, uh, pay the majority of that salary. Uh, the Orioles, they just won 100 plus games what do they need Alex starting pitching what have they done nothing they have gotten not a single quality starting pitcher they paid 13 million dollars for Craig Kimbrell the Toronto Blue Jays they were in on Otani they they know they need a star they need to get out of that you know they haven't won a single playoff game with Vlad Guerrero Jr. and them what have they done nothing the AL Central whoever spends money in the AL Central that's I don't even have to think about the AL Central the AL West like the Rangers they're in a TV deal situation they're not spending right now Jonah Montgomery is currently a free agent that's their best pitcher that's their top guy Jordan, Jacob DeGrom doesn't come back till halfway through the year Max Scherzer doesn't come back till halfway through the year Evaldi's an injury question they need him and they haven't brought him back so when you look at the American League when you look at the National League when you look at the league in total who cares about winning right very few teams and if the Yankees can establish themselves as one of those teams that consistently spend at the 
the top of the market every single year and go out and get the best players, they're going to dominate the landscape. And they and the Dodgers will consistently win 100 plus games or 95 plus games and be in the NLCS or ALCS or get to the World Series or win the World Series. And Alex, imagine what a World Series championship would do for Hal Steinbrenner's legacy, for Brian Cashman's legacy, for this fan base, for this city, for everything. I mean, all everybody wants to see in this city is Garrett Cole. Aaron Judge and Juan Soto hoisting up that that uh, commissioner's trophy in the middle of Yankee Stadium on that mound or in front of that mound or maybe it's under visiting Paul Park. I don't even care. Um, and, and winning the World Series and, and that happens with that investment, as you mentioned. Juan Soto can never play for anybody else again. He can never play for anybody else again. He is your guy. He never leaves. It's end of, end of discussion. If he leaves, you're no longer the New York Yankees. End of discussion. I agree. I mean, look at the end of the day, like it, it really comes down to legacy. Um, and Cyberbender has a chance to correct it. But guys, always happy to hear your thoughts below in the YouTube con comment section. Make sure to like and subscribe as always. Enjoy the holiday. Stay safe out there. And, uh, you know, I know a lot of people are traveling back home. So hopefully you guys get there safe and sound and enjoy some good family time, some good food, and obviously get some good presents. So much love to all you guys. Have a happy holidays. And we'll catch you guys on the next Fireside Yankees episode.